Hello, hey, what's going on? It's Aiden Peck here from my podcast at Generation Z. It's going to be episode two, and we have a lot to talk about. I want to be touching upon a kid chef and how he became this popular, successful kid chef. He's younger than me. He's 17 years old. As well as we're going to be looking at, you know, comparing and contrasting the story of success with one of my professors here at Syracuse University, Marcus Bell, sociologist. All right, so I hope you guys are coming from episode one so you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's going to be a lot of success. It's going to be a lot of Generation Z and and their stress and anxiety about success and the relationship between the lack of teenage work in Generation Z. We talked about this in episode one. But in this episode, I want to be focusing on what the role that parents play in somebody's success and the role that opportunity plays in somebody's success. You know, for example, do, do parents, are they needed, a parental figure, are they needed to become successful? Do they make it a lot easier to become successful? Or are they just somebody's parents and, you know, the, the, the child of this parent, they don't need them. They, they figure it out themselves. They don't, they don't benefit from this parental figure. And with opportunity, you know, obviously we all need opportunity to become successful, but how big of a role does it play? How important is opportunity when it comes to success? So I think the best way to get insight, to, to learn more about possibly figuring out these questions and what they mean would be by looking at a member of Generation Z who's already very successful, Logan Guleff the kid chef and also looking at somebody else that's not, you know, not a multi-millionaire, but a very successful man named Marcus Bell, my professor. So most of my information that I have on Logan Guleth, he's got a profile on there. It's pretty interesting. And so, yeah, it's called the famous I understand. I'm not, referring to, you know, becoming famous or becoming as successful as Logan Guleff, you know, this multimillionaire at 17 years old. But there's a lot of actual relatable parts with Logan Guleff. You know, uh, apart from cooking, which he likes, I would hope, uh, he likes to he likes to hike, he, you know, with his Boy Scout troops. And he likes to play Minecraft. I mean, look, that's relatable to a lot of guys. But I get it. You know, don't worry. I understand he's doing TED Talks. We're not. I'm not. None of us are doing TED Talks. You know, let's strive for it if you want. But there's there's a big gap. There's a gap. But Logan, Logan Gulef was, he's positioned for success. You know? So a quick one to start out with when it comes to opportunity Logan's part of the upper class. Only about, I mean, it depends on where you get your information from, but only about one, two, maybe 6% at most identify as upper class. And he's one of them. And with Logan, 
his mom's great. He's got oh my god, his parents are terrific. You know, uh, I don't think she oversteps her mom role when it comes to his professional um, career. But on that website that I was that I was reading, what I was learning about Logan Gulef, it says that there's a time when Mrs. Gulef saw that or noticed that Logan wasn't interested in writing. And she helped to make a food blog. So basically, she sees her kid struggling with a skill, like writing, one of the most important skills. And she offers a new way for him to look at it. And includes Logan's passion, which is cooking. They knew that since, what, I, I believe it was two or three years old. I mean, obviously, he can't know it's his passion. But, you know, he's really interested in it. It's all he really liked to do. And obviously, it ended up being his passion. But... Basically, she set up Logan for success in this one little example. And this is not just, you know, one an anomaly. It's it, it's a recurring event. She will continue to set Logan up for success. In my own life, although I still don't even have a passion yet, you know, I don't I don't know what it is that I want to do to contribute to this world. My mom sure made I was working as soon as possible so that I learned certain values that I couldn't learn in school. So in that way, she was, my mom was also setting me up for success. It might not have been directing me to a passion considering I didn't have one, but it's all about understanding the situation. That's really what, you know, these parents when it comes to Mrs. Gulef and my mom, they understood the situation and went from there and did their best. And if you didn't listen to episode one, that's when I talked about how I worked at McDonald's when I was 14. And I learned a lot from it. I did not want to do it <laughs> at all. I don't think any 14 would want to do that. But I'm so happy I did. And it was my mom who really played the role in me getting the job. She said... She understood what I would benefit from it, and I did. And to keep going with this theme of setting their child up for success, there was one time when, well, I'm sure there's multiple times, but from where I got my information from, they were they really focused on this one time when Logan didn't win a contest. And I'm sure he was down about it, and Mrs. Gulef just kept, telling him like, no, like you need to get into more contests. Like, like you took the, the loss on that, but keep going. You can't, you can't stop working. You got to keep working at it. And he's, and he was totally for it because it's his passion. So when it comes to me and working at McDonald's, I didn't think I would ever become an actually okay or good worker at this place. Those morning shifts, which I would get a lot because, you know, I don't have really any say at this place. Everybody spoke Spanish. None of the workers spoke English. So when it's my first week working here, I don't know what the screen's saying. I don't know what a la carte even means yet. <laughs> and <laughs> like, like, I don't know what they're saying. And it took so long. But I kept going. You know, I, I would go home, tell my ma, hey, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. This, like, I have no clue what I'm doing. It's a mess. I'm slow. 
And she just said, that's, that's a lot of people with a lot of jobs. People don't actually know what they're doing, but you stick with it and you'll get there. So I stuck with it and transitioned into a pretty good worker. I understood, like I learned sp- like Spanish for a little bit, which helped. That's just being part of that situation. But I got be- I got better with the customers. I got better with the screen. I learned what a la carte meant. It all became a lot better just by continuing to work. And so, you know, flipping back to Logan, if this guy keeps entering these contests, he loses some, he wins some. And that's from him continually working. And it would make sense that opportunities kept coming too. So aside from actually these contests that Logan was either winning or losing, he had that blog and he actually, you know, at least through his community, people knew about it. And local restaurants were letting him, you know, visit the kitchens and talk to the chef, learn a lot. That's an opportunity right there because of his hard work doing a blog. And so with me, it's always about me. I'm always going back to me. Uh, I was working at McDonald's. And after that first summer working there, it worked a little bit in school year two, but I, I did not want, I, I had one goal for that next summer and it was to work anywhere else besides McDonald's. You know, no insult to McDonald's, you know, I just, not bad talking McDonald's. Uh, it's just, just not, not, not what I like to do. But so I applied for this job. It was a service assistant position, a lot, you know, a lot different, a lot, um, a lot more skills required, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for this job. And it was at a five-star restaurant in Philadelphia. I would take the train over, but yeah, so I got the job. I would take the train. It was, it was great. And that's from that's an opportunity because they saw I worked at McDonald's. I've been working at a young age. They, I actually talked to the manager, and she said, she, like she kept talking to me about it, about how I did that, because like, it's just kind of not normal anymore. But let's keep rolling with Logan. Another opportunity comes up. He wins a final. He he was in the finals for a contest. That's huge. For one of the cooking contests. And so he was invited to appear on a local t- like local TV channels, the news. And obviously this kept going with Logan. He visited the White House. He met the first lady at the time, Michelle Obama. And he just kept moving up. TED Talks, he ended up on shows, cooking shows as sometimes a judge. Like... He, he really moved up quick. Those opportunities kept coming. And so one last thing. When it comes to Logan Gulef, he was traveling a whole lot. He ended up traveling. And he's still, he's 17 right now. So that's kind of around the age when parents will start letting their child like a fly alone visit, like a, you know, a friend at college maybe. Um, but, but no, he... He, he couldn't do that. So that's a lot of traveling across the nation with the help of 
nobody else but his parents. That's another situation where his parents are helping him out. Like a lot of a lot of people don't have that opportunity. That's 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 being in a situation where your parents are extremely supportive, and a situation where you have the wealth to do such things. So now let's talk about my professor, the sociologist Marcus Bell. And the great thing with this part of the podcast is that I actually had an interview with Marcus Bell. He was nice enough to take time out of his day and let me interview him. So I'm going to let him do a lot of the talking because, well, I don't think I can speak more clearly on topics about himself than he can. <laughs> um, I did it for two days and getting up at 530 in the morning was for the birds. So I, I stopped doing it. Um, my first real job where I went to work every day, not every day, but a few times a week got paid was Sears. I was a sophomore in high school. I was 15. Got it. Uh, Sears Roebuck. Um, they hired me as a seasonal worker for the holidays. And then they hired me full time. I worked there for a year or so. Um, and that's, that's the first time I remember having a job, uh, a real job that, you know, got paid, got taxes. I was 15, 15, almost 16, but 15 around that time, time period. So were most of your friends also like your peers working at the same time, like with formal jobs? Yeah. Similarly? Yeah. Um, uh, two of my friends, they worked at Sears with me. Right? Okay. Uh, they also got hired for the season. And uh, a few other friends worked at the baseball stadium, the, the lug nut, Lansing lug nuts, um, where they were pretzel boys. But the, that was more under the table. <laughs> okay. But they worked. They went to work every day or yeah. every home game. Okay. Uh, but they had they had some form of employment uh, around the same time. We were in high school and we were working. And where was this? Where'd you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Detroit. Okay. Um, but I, the, the the big baseball team was in Lansing, the capital city. Uh, Detroit Tigers are the biggest baseball team. This yeah. is a AAA team. Um, and they, they played, they paid high school students under the table. So we just drive there, uh, like 40, 45 minutes wasn't far away. Got it. Um, so grew up in Detroit, but yeah, to, to go back to your question, uh, my closest friends, most of us were working in high school, 15, 16 years old. Okay. Um, so when did you go to college? Was it right out of high school? And, um, like, were you stressed out in college about like your future or were you like, okay, now I'm in college. Like, you know, how, how, did, how did it all work out? So I actually went to college twice. My first time, I bombed out big time. Like, the first thing, I, my first school, no one knows about this, but <laughs> went to Michigan State. Um, big Michigan fan now, but my first college right out of high school was Michigan State. And I bombed out. I wasn't stressed at all, actually. I, I, was, I got caught up in the parties and, yeah. and, and girls and just the, the, the freedom that it afforded me. I wasn't ready for it. Right? And quickly found myself in academic probation uh, and then just dropped out. And then I got a job working at a factory. It was a good job, but I didn't want to like do the first of the rest of my life. So I went back to school and got into Michigan. And uh, that was I was around 24 at the time. Uh, so I took a I took a good chunk of time, about five years off. I went, went to school for one year at state, bombed out, took about five years off, then went back to school. Um, I was a bit older than most of the students I was with. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did think about the future more. Okay. My second stint in college. You're a little more mature, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so much stress. We were just trying to have a plan. Mm -hmm. um, and something I didn't have, obviously, when I was 18. Um, but when I was 18 in college the first time, it wasn't so much stress. It was just it was just immaturity and responsibility. I, I think I was not. I was too immature to be stressed. I wasn't worried about anything. I, yeah. I, um, the second, second go around, I was older. I did stress about, you know, 
what to do for a living, what kind of, what kind of money I wanted to make, mm-hmm. what, what I wanted to do. Um, it wasn't so much stress the second time around, but it was definitely uh, I thought about it. I, I, yeah. It was a big factoring in how I approached college the second time around. Got it. You kind of knew it was like your like your next part of life, I guess. Yeah. Um. So this question, so it's how active were your parents in your life uh, in getting your first job and just everything like that? And if it's not a parent, like if it's a guardian or anything like that? Um, like so my, my dad, uh, from a very young age, he was in and out of my life. He wasn't consistent. Uh, he was in and out of prison. Um, my mom worked all the time. She worked at KFC. It wasn't good money, so she worked a lot of double shifts. Uh, so they just didn't pay a role. Um, my dad did do my first job for me. Uh, when one of the times he was in, okay. uh, he he was mad that I got this job and didn't do it. Uh, but he wasn't around for a lot, big chunk of my childhood. When I got the job at Sears, it was actually my basketball coach who told, who told me about it. Got it. My basketball coach told me about it. Um, I was, it was around the time where you know we think about prom and mm-hmm. and senior trips and all these things, and I didn't have much money, so he, he like maybe consider getting a job. And he knew a guy at Sears, got me an interview, and I got the job. So. If anything, my basketball coach played the biggest role in me getting my first job. Um, not my mom and my dad. No, it was definitely my coach. Got it. Um, so, what was I going to say? So, let me look at the next question. Okay, so do you think that your experience. Oh, okay. So, were you working? Um, because like I guess I guess uh, as you're saying like it was because like you, you needed to like it was like, like yeah. that that was a very that was like the primary uh, reason for it. Yeah, well, if I wanted to like you know be it sounds stupid now as an adult. If I wanted to be popular. Yeah. One, of, one of the, the Eddie Bauer and Tommy Hilfiger clothes. I, yeah. I had to pay for it myself. Okay. Like, uh, we had a roof over our head. We had food on the table, but uh, anything luxury items like that we had to pay for ourselves. Yeah, so, it's your responsibility. Yeah, yeah. go get a job. And, and, yeah. And it, and it did allow me to do that. It allowed me to, to you know, buy new clothes when I wanted them. Um, I couldn't splurge. It wasn't that much money, but it was it was money in my pocket. Yeah. Um, I helped my mom with, like, some bills whenever she needed it. But yeah. for the most part, that money was I was able to keep and spend as I wish. So um, so it was a necessity not for, like, basic needs, but necessity for, you know, so-called high school needs if you wanted to be, like, one of the popular kids. And I did. At the time. Yeah. That was really important to me at the time. So now that even though, you know, like, as you're saying, the reason you started working is like just for like popular, you know, not just but like for popularity and like, you know, like if you wanted to have money, it was your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so now looking back on it, do you think that experience with work as a teen has um, positively influenced you or negatively influenced you um, just in your role into like becoming a professor today or just into college? I think I think it did. Um, and. I think just because of my my situation in context, like I, I knew there was something I wanted, things I wanted to have, and the only way I had to get them were either to steal them or to like get a job and buy them. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said earlier, in my second go around in college, I was thinking about the kind of life I wanted to live and what it was going to take to to get that. And and it, so the parallels there to like in high school, I wanted the, the new clothes or the new shoes, so I worked at Sears, so I can do that. Um, my second go around to college, I wanted to live in a nice, safe neighborhood and have a have a car and not have to worry about sirens and crime. So I, I mapped out what it was going to take to do that. Um, there are some parallels there. And I do think uh, um, working at Sears and having to pay for my own things in high school did benefit me later in life. Um, now, it wasn't, a, it wasn't causal 
uh, because as I mentioned earlier, I kind of bombed out in college my first time with immaturity, but I did. There are some similarities to how I approached work and what it meant for my life, uh, having that job earlier and being able to to buy things. Like I was able to buy things that I wanted, and that that was a good feeling. Like um, I was one of those kids who was like who made fun of folks for not having. I was never like that, but to to buy some new shoes simply because I wanted them and I could afford them. That felt good. It felt good. So I figured, you know, to be able to buy a home or a car <laughs> yeah. or feed your kids, right? Um, that feels that feels good, and it, it does. It does feel good to be able to afford your lifestyle. I don't have a crazy expensive lifestyle, but I have a nice, solid middle class lifestyle. And I knew in college, the second time around, like that's what I wanted, and this is what I'm gonna have to do to get it. And I think my my, my previous experience with Sears and buying clothes in high school, yeah, um, there's definitely some parallels there. Got it. Um, did like, is there any like big role of like opportunity that like came up in your life, like through working or how, how did you like find yourself where you were? Was it just hard work, like in the school or, um, well, I, I got lucky. I got lucky along the way. So with Sears, it was my coach who put me on, um, in, in grad school, uh, I had some really good mentors who looked out for me. Um, I was able to get, uh, some, some fellowships when I was in grad school. Uh, for example, a guy who works here, Dr. Paris at Syracuse, he was friends with a guy at Yale, and I was able to do a, a summer a fellowship at Yale. Okay. And it was it wasn't much work, but it, it was more just to say, "Hey, I did this summer fellowship at Yale." Uh, and then OCC, when I interviewed for that job, yeah. I see here you did a summer fellowship yeah, at Yale. So that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it wasn't even much work. It was just when you hear the word Yale, people's mm-hmm. eyes pop up. Um, Definitely. And that wasn't. That was strictly because a guy who was one of my mentors knew somebody who knew somebody. Right? Yep. So, yeah, that that benefited me. Um, I did work hard, but a lot of folks work hard. Yep. Uh, and there is some truth to the whole adage of not what you know is who you know. That's not completely true, but I tell students all the time to network. You just never know who's going to hear about an opportunity and think of you. Definitely. And Dr. Perez heard about something and he thought of me. And it, it benefited me because that, that fellowship at Yale was explicitly mentioned in my interview at OCC. Uh, so it looks good on paper. Yeah. Um, so I did work hard. I take no, but I know for a fact that a big part of my lifestyle now, my success, uh, is due to people helping me, whether it's my coach getting me into Sears or uh, Dr. Paris uh, hooking me up with uh, a professor at Yale who gave me a fellowship course summer. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> right. Thank you. So in this interview, there's a lot. There's a lot to dissect. You know, there's a, there's a few things that I agree with. Not that I agree with, but that the flow of this podcast agrees with. And then there's a few things that I'm extremely happy to hear that actually don't flow with this podcast. That kind of um, kind of offer, a, a, you know, the other side. the Or maybe just a different viewpoint. Now, when it comes to, you know, what role... Did parents play in the this one success? Marcus Bell states that, look, his his parents didn't play the biggest role in his life. They they uh, you know, he had food on the table, like he said, from his mom and and what she brought in. His his dad was in and out. Um but his basketball coach, he kind of filled that role when it when it came when it came to getting a job with Sears. He was the one who put him on, as he said. So, so that's 
that's opportunity from knowing him. And that's, that honestly goes back to in episode one, what I'm talking about, you need to represent yourself well. Marcus Bell, he's on the basketball team. I'm sure the coach thought highly of him if he's willing to do this favor for him. There's other kids on that team. There's other kids. Their prom's coming up. Like he said, there's other kids that might need money for prom. But he chose to offer this job to Marcus Bell. And it keeps going. You know, it wasn't just with Sears. Um, from that, he says, in grad school, he had some really good mentors who uh, looked out for him. He says, I was able to get some fellowships when I was in grad school because of them. It's a, it was, I thought it was one of the best parts of the interview. I, it was great. It was super interesting. And I think my favorite thing that he said, and I've heard it everywhere, but it's just, you know, the context he said it. He said, I did work hard, but a lot of folks work hard. And the reason I love this so much is because the two questions that I'm asking when it comes to the parent's role and the, the role that opportunity plays in somebody's success, you know, hard work plays a role. It's, it's very important. Hard work, you can't do anything without the hard work. But that's why these other, you know, like, you need these other things. They are that important. This shows it. This absolutely shows it. This one quote that people work hard, but every like there's a lot of people that work hard and some people make it, some people don't. And what this interview, it was towards the beginning, what this interview actually showed me a lot is that maturity is a big part of this. You know, as he said, my first time going to college, obviously, I bombed out big time. He said he just wasn't mature enough at that time for that freedom that it afforded him and being in college right now at Syracuse, I totally see that with a lot of people, you know, it, it happens, but he, he learned, he got a job actually at a factory. He learned maturity from having a job. How about that? That's, you know, that's, you learn a lot from a job. You learn the experience obviously, but maybe Sears wasn't enough. And, you know, he got this job at a factory and like he said, Look, I don't want to be working at a factory my whole life. So he went to school. He went back to school. So after all the preparing for this podcast and and all this information and putting it together and trying to trying to really figure it out, I uh, I end up with one question, and I just I just wonder where we as a whole get lost or confused, you know. Um, about what matters for youth and their their road to success. Where where did we get lost from, you know, when it was the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? I'm pretty sure 80s actually had one of the highest percents for teenage work. But so where do we get lost? Where Why did education become more stress upon? And don't get me wrong. I said in episode one, I'll say it again. Education is so important for success and honestly everything else in the world that's why it's mandatory for all kids to go to school um but you know where did this where did this experience lose its value for work that's uh 
that's what kind of I was left with. Now I'm not saying, you know, you got to do X, Y, and Z to become successful. But, hey, maybe you just, maybe there's more stock in work experience as a teen than, uh, than currently we think. So whether you could tell or not, sadly, this episode is, is ending. It's came to an end. Uh, but don't fret. There will be a third episode. And hopefully uh, y'all will stop in and listen to that one as well. Thank you.